You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. All right, so we're going to be there is one to know. So we're going to be uh, in that same passage this evening. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verses 1 through 7. We're really going to look at um, verses 2 through 7 as we work through that first verse this morning. Um, and we kind of looked at this greeting, right? And kind of with the emphasis or the main idea that even in this greeting, we can find some direction for our life, how, how we're supposed to live, the life that we're called to live um, as believers. And it kind of hinges around, you know, the gospel as Paul laid it out. And so this morning, we kind of looked at that idea of you know, who was Paul? If it, if it tells us at the very beginning, Paul is the one writing this letter, then before we read it, we got to know who he was, you know? And, and so we looked at who he was, uh, a Jewish and Roman citizen. He was prepared by Gamaliel. He was a man who encountered Jesus, you know, with a trade. And then we asked the question, well, what was Paul? And, and Paul walked us through the fact that he not only was a slave of Christ, but he was also a free man. So he, so he made this free choice to be a slave of Christ, and then because he did so, you know, he was called to be an apostle. He had a message that he was called to give. It wasn't just something that he did on good days when he felt well. It was something that he was called to do. He was obligated to do it. It kind of directed his life, um, and then that led to, you know, what was Paul's purpose, and it was just the fact that Paul, after he encountered Christ, he was set apart with the purpose to share the gospel, and so um, tonight, I, I kind of wanted to do a little deeper dive. You got a little preview this morning, but just a little deeper dive through the rest of that passage, kind of outlining, well, what is the gospel? What is it that he's talking about? What, a little bit more about that purpose. And Charlie mentioned, you know, being imitators of Paul and imitators of Christ, and that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. 1. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now, that's a very bold statement if it just said, be imitators of me. But he clarified it by saying, as I am of Christ. He's like, look, it's if I'm, if I'm living out the message that I'm preaching, if I'm following Christ, then you should follow along. Is essentially what he's saying. And so we ended this morning asking that question, well, does, does your purpose align with God's purpose? And uh, I just want to look at that a little bit more tonight, uh, diving into that purpose a little bit more, just the gospel. And so let's look at those seven verses again, that run-on sentence that says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I challenge you all, maybe in the closet where you won't feel like ashamed or embarrassed, read that out loud on your own. It's like, daggum, is it, where's the period, man? Like, it's just the longest runoff sentence in the world. He's trying to pack so much in. It's a mouthful. And so we know we know what Paul, who he was and what he was about. And he, and he starts talking about this purpose in verse 2. And he begins... Um, with this message of, of about the gospel basically telling us that it's this is not new that's, that's the first thing that paul's trying to get across is this, the gospel's not new and uh 
We talked this morning about the meaning of that word gospel and it being good news, but that it's this, this bigger picture of the good news of a conquering king. You know, that it's your, your country has been victorious, and when you're victorious in battle, you come back and have a parade and tell everybody about it. Like, it's a big deal. And so that's the same thing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's the conquering king. His kingdom has won, and it's our job to share that message. He's the one that's conquered death once and for all. And so that's, that's the gospel. And while this message may have seemed new to many people, Paul wants to tell us, and he starts here in verse 2, that this, this has been promised from way back. That's, that's what he's saying, that God promised this gospel way hence. And in a, a couple of questions come to mind as a result of this statement of Paul. And, and the first might be, well, I don't know, maybe y'all get tired of me. Like, that's how I read the Bible, like, as, as a school teacher, maybe. Like, okay, well, well, why? Why? I'm constantly asking this question, why? You know, so why would Paul feel the need to tell us this? Why, why does it matter that it's not new? Why, why, is it, why does he need to tell us this? Why would people need to know that the gospel message isn't new? And the answer is wrapped up in the fact that Paul had, he had his detractors, right? He had people that didn't like what he was saying. He had enemies, just like you have enemies, just like I have enemies. And so there were people that hated this gospel message and wanted to cling to the Judaism or the old way that they knew. And so one of their main arguments or main issues with Paul was that Paul was preaching this new message that was revolutionary, that was totally separate from Judaism. And so you can see an example of that in Acts 21, 28. And Paul's message to the Romans is that this argument can't hold water. This argument that, that I'm supposedly coming out and preaching this thing that's totally new, like that argument doesn't hold water because the gospel of Christ is not a new message. So he tells them that. He says, and, and here, here's where you draw all that from. He said, which he promised before him. That's what Paul's saying. This, this was promised from way back. And he doesn't just leave you hanging there. He tells you how it was promised from before him. He said it was promised by the prophets in the scripture. Don't just trust me because I'm Paul and I said it. It was promised by the prophets in the scriptures. That's how we know that it's not a new message. The new, this good news, this gospel, it came from all the way back to what we would recognize as the Old Testament. Right? The prophet is just a way to describe or talk about the writers of the Old Testament. And if, if you go, it's a shame, man. It's just a shame. That there's a lot of churches that totally ignore the Old Testament. And, and if you look at the Old Testament, all throughout it, there's shadows and prophecies about the gospel to come and about this salvation that's going to come through the Messiah, who we know is Jesus, like that. That's all throughout the Old Testament. And that's what Paul's telling us here. The promise was there all along. Many people are just blind to see it. Like, you can even go, uh, shame on me, this is talking in my head, but there's passages in Isaiah, and like, you can go on YouTube, you can chase a lot of rabbits on YouTube, but you can go on YouTube and you can type in these passages in Isaiah, and you, like, you can watch videos of, of these Jewish rabbis, like, squirming in their seat, trying to explain how this has anything to do with Jesus. You know, and they got to go around, I mean, they got to work hard to say this is not, this has anything to do with Jesus. But that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, yeah, it was promised for way back. This isn't new. And if you think about, if you think about, because I was writing this out, you think about, well, what's a great example of that? And maybe even using the New Testament, what's the greatest example of that? And the, the perfect picture that comes to my mind 
is the encounter that Jesus had with those two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. So essentially, if you're not familiar with that story, like Jesus encounters these two men. This is after uh, he's been crucified after the resurrection. And he encounters these men who somehow, someway, they don't have any idea who he is. Right? And he's walking down this road with them, and they're having conversation. And Jesus basically gives them a hard time. He scolds them for not believing the prophets. Because they're basically like, oh, man, can you believe this guy? He's amazing. He's all these things. And he's been crucified, and man, lost up. That's essentially, that's their message. And Jesus gets scolding them and saying, man, do you not believe the prophets? And then he takes time with them. It's like two, it's so amazing. It's like two verses in the Bible. But he, there's no telling how much time he spent with them on this walk. And it says that he took the time to work through the Old Testament, revealing himself and the gospel to him to them, just using what we know as the Old Testament. And Paul's saying, that's the promise. That's the promise. That had to be an absolutely magnificent conversation. Unbelievable. But it, it gets to the heart of what Paul's saying about this is this is not a new gospel. It's not a new message. It's been promised from from way back. And if you, you can write a couple things down if you want to dive in on your own. Uh, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 53. I'll say those again. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, Isaiah 9, and Isaiah 53. They all speak of this new covenant and this Messiah that's to come. That's, that's the hints of the gospel message way back in the Old Testament. So Paul's saying, listen, this is just a promise from beforehand. This is not new. And he says, there's another lesson here too, I think, for us. Um, many of these, so there's so there's obviously Jewish, the Jewish scriptures, right? the Old Testament. And then there's all these other Jewish writings, these rabbinical writings from that time period that were really popular in the first century that they, they didn't teach the gospel of Jesus. But yet, in Jewish circles, they were studied more, often they were studied more than what we know as the Old Testament itself. And so the lesson for us in that, I think, is we got to go to Scripture first. we got to go to Scripture first. We can, you can read your devotional in the morning, that's great. First question that I would ask is, is it, is it based in Scripture? If it's not, burn it, throw it out, whatever. But if, if it's based in Scripture, it's a good thing, but it's not Scripture. Like, I've got to go to Scripture first. Devotional readings are great, books are great, but Scripture should be the king. And everything that we read should be filtered through it. You can take it a step further. Everything you read, everything you watch, it should be filtered through it. Um... I, I, we got plenty of time. I chase it out. You ever thought about? Yeah, somebody told me this. Or I saw it on some show one time, but I never thought about it before. Like just the simple word television. Like what do you do? Like I'm not gonna get home in time. But if I did get home in tonight, time tonight, I'm gonna go home and sit down on my couch and I'll turn my television on, and I'm gonna watch the end of the World Baseball Classic, USA playing Cuba right now. And I would. That's what I would watch. But boring. Yeah. But if you. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, the scripture says that I'm a peculiar people. So, so, but, but have you ever thought about that word, television? Like you break that word down, what does it mean? Tell a vision. Like they're trying to get you to think a certain way. 
You know, they're playing things for a purpose on there. It's a message that they're getting out, and they can manipulate, you know, the way that you think. And so we should filter what we watch, what we read, through Scripture and make sure that it doesn't have that effect on us. Um, that's right. After you say we No, no. Um, but, th but that's the point, that the Scripture is king and that the gospel, this is not a new message. Scripture is clear. The gospel is not new. Some people may teach this. It's a lie. The gospel wasn't plan B. It was plan A from the very beginning. It wasn't like God didn't create and then go, oh man, they screwed it up. What am I going to do now? Like That didn't happen. It was plan A from the very beginning. That's what Paul's saying when he says those few three words right there. He promised before him. He promised before him. The gospel is not new. So then he goes on and he says that it's concerning, verse 3, concerning his son who is descended from David according to the flesh. This is Paul's way of saying, and we, we touched on this this morning just a little bit. This is, way, this is Paul's way of saying, real, man. Real. It's real. It concerns the Son of God who is descended from David according to the flesh. Paul's words here are backed up by Luke 135, which tell us that Jesus was conceived in a virgin's womb and delivered normally just as any other kid. And if you look in Luke and if you look in Matthew, you can trace the lineage of Jesus. So that's what Paul's saying when he says, descended from David, he's saying, go check the book. You can check it. It's a real thing. So the emphasis here is that, that you can, and I said this morning, like, you can touch him. I think it's First John where it says that. We saw him with our eyes, we touched him with our hands. Like he was a real person. So the emphasis is that Jesus was a real historical figure. He was a real human being. The gospel was real. And you can even chase your YouTube rabbit hole again. Like, even secular scholars, they don't argue that point. Nobody with a rational, functioning brain argues the fact that Jesus existed. Nobody. You can find the staunchest, you go to UNC Chapel Hill, I forget the guy's name, there's a staunch atheist theologian, I don't even know how that works, who's at UNC Chapel Hill, and he will straight up refuse, he will not deny that Jesus is a real person. Like, so, he's a real historical figure, that's what Paul's saying. And without Jesus, maybe this is the one sentence that should be highlighted and underlined in this whole thing tonight. Without Jesus, there's no gospel. Without Jesus, there's no gospel. And Paul is reaffirming the fact that Jesus was an actual human in the flesh. He was real. A couple of additional things stand out that um, Jesus is the lineage of the lineage of David. And so again, we just talked about this is not a new message. This affirms the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. And you can find here, I'll give rattle off another list for you, get some homework. You can find prophecies, these prophecies in 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. Psalm 89, 3 and 4. Psalm 19, 24. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. I'll read that again real quick. 2 Samuel 7, 12 to 13. Psalm 89, 3 and 4. Psalm 19, 24. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. And Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. All those prove that 
he was of the lineage of David, that he is the Messiah. And then second, he's saying he descended from David according to the flesh. So he was fully human and fully God. Fully human and fully God. And being that, then Jesus could serve as humanity substitute. Because that's what it took. So if you make the argument that, yeah, Jesus was a real person, he's historical, but he was not the Son of God, then he can't be the substitute. And the gospel's meaningless. And if you argue that, well, he was fully divine, but he wasn't really human, then he can't be the substitute. And the gospel's meaningless. Like, he's got to be fully human and fully God. And that's exactly what it was. It took someone that could live a sinless life and fulfill the law to serve as a sacrifice for the rest of humanity. And only Jesus fits that bill. I can do it. You can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. And Paul goes on and he says he was declared, this is verse 4, and he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So like I just said, Jesus was not only human, but he was fully divine as well. He says that, Paul says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of Holiness by His resurrection from the dead. It's interesting to note that the Greek word for declared is the same word where we get our word horizon from. So the, the Greek word for declared is the same, that's the same word that we get our English word horizon from. With the idea that it's this clear demarcation line. It's this, it's this separating line. So if you think about the horizon, it's really easy to see where you go. Like even a three-year-old can go. Sky, earth. Earth, sky. Like it's this clear separating point. And so three things act as this same type of separation point or line that identify Jesus as the Son of God. That's what Paul's saying. The first is his humility as displayed through his life and his Specifically, his last week. I mean, the man's getting beaten, clapped around, and he's as humble as can be. The second thing was his submission to the will of God the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's demonstrated all throughout the Gospels, but most clearly, it's demonstrated in his voluntary submission to death on a cross. Like, you go back to that really fascinating, man. If you think Jesus, if you, if there is even a sliver of an idea in your mind that Jesus was not human, then just go back and read his prayer in the garden. He said, it, man, can we not do this some other way? Like, there's got to be a better idea. It's essentially what he said, because I know this is going to hurt, and I'm not really looking forward to it. Like, there is a sliver of humanity right there that he knew it was about to go down, and it wasn't going to be fun. So he, he shows that he's the Son of God just by his submission. I mean, how many times, all the time, in the Gospels does he quote Scripture? Because I'm about my Father's will, even to the point of death, as he demonstrated. And then third, and probably the, the most important, is his resurrection from the dead. It's his victory over death that was the supreme demonstration and most conclusive evidence that he was and is the Son of God. So Paul tells us that he is the Son of God. He's real, you can touch him, go look at the book. He existed, and not only was he fully human, he was also fully God. And then Paul goes on, and he finishes this out, and he tells us that the gospel is life-changing. It should change who you are and what you do. 
So not only was God's plan, the gospel, but not only was it real and verifiable, but it's life-changing. He tells us, let's see here in verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship. So he says this gospel brings grace and apostleship. And this might be the most crucial part of the gospel, this, this idea of grace. It's this unmerited favor that God shows us as guilty sinners. And as a result, salvation is a gift from God and completely separate from any human achievement. Just meaning you can't earn it. Nothing you can do. You can't earn it. You're never going to be worth it by anything that you do on your own power. God does it simply by his grace and love and mercy. And as a result of this grace, this is what we talked about this morning too, we receive apostleship. And we made that comment this morning, like note, I don't need anybody telling me I'm a heretic before I leave here tonight, like make that note of capital A apostle, lower A apostle. Like we're all called to be apostles, this lowercase a, but we're called to be an apostle. It just means that we become messengers. If we truly understand the gospel, and understand our our own standing before God. That that's just a maybe a more complicated way to say, do you know who God is and you know who you are? And if we do, then receiving this grace should change us. There's no other like it's it has to. There's no other outcome. If I know who I am and I know what God's done for me, then it should change who I who I am what it is. It demands that I share the message of what Christ has done and I should have a desire for it to take place in the life of others. Think about, think about all of the good news that we love to share. So me and Charlie, both this morning, right before we started, both got a text from a, from a kid that played for us uh, not many years ago who literally, like any moment, his wife's going to have their first kid. Right? And so he reached out to us because he wanted to share that good news. Like, we're, my wife's going to hospital, we're having a baby today. Like, think about all the good news that we like to share. Think about weddings, birthdays, accomplishments, achievements. Going to have a baby. Like, if we're in such a hurry to share those things, how much more should we be compelled to share the greatest news of all? Paul goes on. He says, we've received this grace and apostleship, but why have we received it? To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name. Paul saying true saving faith produces obedience and submission. So there's more to it than just me becoming a messenger. The gospel should also change how I choose to live my life. Paul says that we receive grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of the nation. If my life, if your life has truly been impacted, then the way we live it will change. You know, there's this really bad quote that I don't even think is real, but we attribute it to being real, and it's that, I forget who we even attribute it to, but it's that Martin Luther, he says, uh, always preach the gospel and sometimes use words. That's the biggest bunch of bull that ever was. Like, yes, should your life demonstrate the gospel absolutely but god gave you a mouth for a reason share it share it 
But I don't care how much you share it, if you're not living it, the things that come out of your mouth, ain't nobody gonna listen to. So if our life is, if we've really been impacted, if you think about Paul that we talked about this morning, he gets knocked off his horse. Like his life has changed, man. And if, if Saul was knocked off his horse, then he became Paul. But if we think about that, man, when we are impacted by Christ, our life could change. True salvation, here's what he's saying. True salvation produces the obedience and submission that Christ demonstrated. That's what it produces. We should feel indebted to God for such a grand gift. But there's an importance beyond that concerning our obedience. And that's when Paul says, for the sake of his name among all the nations. As a child of God, right, and people walk around, so I wrote down in my notes, clarify. As, as you hear a lot of people saying, well, we're all children of God. No, we're not. No, we're not. If I'm not saved, I'm not a child of God. I'm a child of wrath. That's what it says. I'm an enemy. I'm not just like living over here in neutral land. Like I'm an enemy. And so once I receive salvation, once Christ has impacted my life, now I'm a child of God. And what I become is a walking billboard, a representative in the world. That's what, that's what, go back to Genesis 1, man. That's what Genesis 1 says. Like you are my representative on earth. And that's what we are as children of God among all ethnic groups. That's what it means right here when he says, for the sake of his name among all the nations, among all the ethnic groups. And I also wrote in here a note that says, they are here. <laughs> so there's also this thought of, even in Crossville, Tennessee, there's this thought of, well, I'm never going to go on a mission trip to Africa and I'm never going to really impact the nations. Dude, they're here. They're here. And they're really here where I'm at. I mean, my mind got blown when I walk into high school and I've got Middle Easterners in class. Like, can't even pronounce their name. Like, they're here. All ethnic groups are here, and we're a walking billboard as believers among them. So the question is, does your life bring glory and honor to the king or not? That's what Paul's asking. That's what he's saying. Does it move people towards or away from the gospel? Because, look, there's no neutral. There's just not. So does it move people towards or away from the gospel? That's what Paul's driving home here. Apostleship... So I become a believer, that means I become, I, I'm, I'm given apostleship, I'm given a message to deliver. And apostleship demands obedience in word and in deed. That's what it demands. It doesn't suggest it, it demands it. And then Paul ends here with the simple fact that the gospel is calling you. He says in verse 6, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Again, it's this idea that, that the gospel is calling us, and it's calling us to glorify his name. He says, we receive grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you are, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So to those, there's a couple things that I thought about when I read this. And the first was that, so Paul's saying to believers, now this, hey, this additional reminder of what I just said, you're a representative of the Most High King to the world. If your salvation becomes responsibility, so when, when you become saved, you accept the responsibility of now I'm a messenger. And it's not a gift to be trampled on. 
And then I also think, and this could just be me, search the scriptures for yourself. But I think Paul also is sending a message loud and clear that there are to be no assumptions. I think it may just be me. There's a, there's a little evangelistic call going on here. Paul, Paul's making no assumptions. Note the phrase, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So what, what I think, and I could be wrong, but I think Paul is essentially writing, listen, there are some people who are going to read this message or hear this message who haven't believed in Christ, but God's chosen you too. And the gospel that I just defined for you is for you. So our message in word and deed should be the same to the world. God's calling the lost. And there are those who are chosen in our path daily. But you know, you know what we're really good at? We're really good at... Oh, I'm not that guy. <laughs> you know, either uh, the gospel can't be for that guy, or uh, he's just a little too dirty. I don't really feel like talking to that guy. You know, we, we can be real good at But Paul's saying, no assumptions. Don't make any assumptions. Because there's people in front of you that are called. And you're called to be the messenger. So, so what are we doing, then, would be the question, what are we doing to call them to repentance in the gospel? Paul makes no assumptions, and neither should we. Instead, we should simply expect the gospel to work, to do its thing. Here's a really bad analogy that just came to my head. <laughs> I'm terrible at golf, but they tell you, as a golfer, let the club do the work. Right? The harder I swing this golf club, don't mean the ball's going to go any further. Let the club do the work. Right? Let the gospel do the work, fam. Don't withhold it. Don't pick and choose who you're going to give it to. Just let it work. No assumptions, let it work. I really think that's what Paul's saying here. And then he just closes in verse 7 by expressing his love to all those people in the Roman church. You know, so... For a simple greeting, for a, for a very, very, very long sentence, there's a lot to unpack here. And, and Paul was a very special guy. He was a very unique guy. But my argument this morning, and, and still tonight, is that each of you are unique as well. Each of you are special as well. Uniquely created and prepared by God for a specific purpose, and that's to share His wonderful love and salvation. And you've been equipped to share that right where you are with with people that other people in the room aren't privy to like it's just everybody here has got their own unique little circle their own unique line of work what it, friend group i mean whatever whatever like god has uniquely equipped you like you talked about this morning all the way back probably even before you ever even thought of god he was working he was working so that now where you are, you could fulfill what he's got for you. That purpose, the same purpose that Paul talks about, the gospel, right, should drive your life and change your life for two main reasons. The first is to bring glory and honor to the name of God. If you think I've used this picture before, if I'm standing in the middle of the road and Charlie runs out and pushes me out of the way of a moving car that I didn't see coming, I'm going to talk pretty highly of Charlie. 
and I'm gonna feel indebted to him for saving my life. And that's I mean, that's what Christ has done for us. Though if he if he goes out of his way to save me, then I'm obligated. I'm obligated to speak highly of him, to represent him well, and to share his message. And then the second reason that the gospel should drive my life and change my life is to draw the nation to him. That, that's the purpose. That's the point. Because if I understand, let's go back to the, what I mentioned before. If I understand who I am and understand what he's done for me, then why wouldn't I want anyone else to experience the same thing? And if I don't want them to, then I don't really understand who I am and what he's done for me. And it gets impossible. So, just like Paul, you know, he closes this by saying, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just like Paul, I wish you grace and, and I charge you to be bold with the message that you've been given. You know, the things that we talked about this morning take, take time to stop and to think about. Think about those things like, how have I been uniquely equipped? Like I've told you before, like, man, I don't even know what God's doing with me. Like, I don't know. But I can look back and I can see how <laughs> crazy. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think about, I think about a four-year-old little boy that likes to play baseball. And he liked to play it so much that he wanted to do it for a living. And so he was dumb enough to become a teacher because he liked to round ball so much. And that got him in front of people and got him real comfortable getting in front of people. And then all of a sudden, God opens the door for him to go to school to be a preacher. And the next thing you know, he's preaching in front of people and all he wanted to do was throw a ball. <laughs> you know, but you look back and now, now I can see, oh, this is why that happened. And this is why that happened. And why'd this guy hire a 23-year-old? Because God told him to. And he didn't even know it. And he didn't even do it for right then. He did it for 15 years later. So he wouldn't be afraid to get in front of people and talk. And he'd feel real comfortable doing it because he spent the last 15 years doing it and not even knowing what he was being prepared for. So, so God is working from day one. The gospel was plan A. And he's equipping you and placing you in certain places for a reason. But just like Paul, you're a free man. And you're, you're like I talked about this morning, you're going to be a slave to something. So what are you going to choose to be a slave to? And Paul said, I choose to be a slave to him because what he gives for me. Change who I am, and I'm hoping it's going to change who you are. That's, that's the message of Paul. It's in these first seven verses. Just a simple hello to the Roman church. They should change the way you think to change the way you live. Because again, if I know who I am, I know who God is and what He's done for me, and I got no other option. Amen. That's what I got. Happy coming on. I appreciate you guys having me. And this is being recorded, so they'll listen to it. But I know this is an interesting season in his life. Um, don't let him run himself to death. And if you ever need to fill in, call. Oh,